0: We're going to be looking at a few different scriptures uh, this evening. Um, And the primary scripture we're going to be looking at though is in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And this is a sermon that I was preparing over a week ago. And The Lord had other plans for where I would physically be last Sunday than what I thought my plan would be. Um, And so, um, I have been recovering from a sickness that was unusual for me, unusually bad for me. Um, I haven't been that sick, I think, in in many years. Um, And uh, I have recovered now. I'm not contagious. I'm glad to be with you. Um, But um, Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12, not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. We will also be spending a little time in 2 uh, Corinthians um, chapter 5. Um, go ahead and turn there, and we'll come back to, to Philippians 3, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5 beginning in verse 11, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not committing ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. If we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. We have concluded this, that one has died for all, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. I have heard several New Year's sermons to my dismay were regarding Christ in a fleshly way, regarding congregants in a fleshly way, feeding the flesh, the itching, itching ears, of people who desire to hear in a sermon about the new year about new blessings. Get your blessings for this upcoming year. What are you? Everybody close your eyes. We'll get three rubs of this magic Bible time, and we'll think about what are your blessings that you've got coming for 2020. 2020, a whole new vision for you. (laughs) Ha ha, puns. Okay, and, and over and over, these sermons are focused on what you can get from God, what magic you can rub the right way that God will give you for this coming year. I know people who their deepest desire is that they find someone to marry. And what a horrible, horrible disservice the church does to them if the church tells them that that's the greatest thing that could happen to them in the coming year. As opposed to the church pointing them to the perfect Savior who knows them best and loves them most and whose plan for their life in the coming year may be that they meet the person they're going to marry Or maybe that they serve Him in singleness. Well, if only I had this different job, you know, my job, that's the main thing that I just just need that. We look to external changes in circumstance to spur our service to God onward. The quid pro quo a Latin term that maybe people haven't heard from apart from the news pundits talking about it lately. Something for something. I'm going to give you something. You give me something. I'll scratch your back. You scratch my back. That's not how our spiritual lives are supposed to work in any way. God, I'd love to do something for you. And it's just, if I can get this raised, Lord... Lord, I just, I just, I'll tell you what, Lord, if you do this for me, Lord, you, we're going to do big things together. You and me could be a great team, Lord. I just, look, all I need is that truck. You know my truck's bad. I haven't asked for a lot, Lord. My old truck, I've been do- I didn't even ask you for a truck for at least five years. I just need this truck. So, we look for external things when we should be focused on that which is eternal and is internal in us, if Christ is in us, all of those other things don't matter. All of those other things are irrelevant. But further, and this is an appropriate time. Well, and in the Julian calendar, what did the early church do around New Year's? What kind of celebrations were there? Uh, There weren't. Oh, so it's pagan to celebrate? No, it's fine. They did have other times that they looked back at a year, celebrated. Most of them were doing things through Jewish traditions around those kinds of concepts of rhythms of life. So it's entirely appropriate for us to say, we're going to take some time and think about a new year. What's to come? What does God have for us? What does God want for us? Where is he bringing us? The call for each of us will be different in its particulars, but the call will be the same in some elements that crucially we can share together that's why we were in second corinthians five we were also in second corinthians five i i the the verse that uh Romans 7 was in my heart of uh, who will deliver me from this body of death as I was sick but the old has passed away the new has come guys Randy Pardue is my dear friend he is also my doctor he also when I looked up according to dr. Google and found out that post fever with the flu 24 hours later, I'm pretty good. I should be fine. He said, I'd give it 48. (laughs) It's caused problems to me. For some of you having a week where you are completely isolated from everyone and you can be by yourself, sounds like a wonderful, amazing time. Uh, I am a people person. I'm extremely extroverted. It was an incredibly horrible time for me. I could not hug any of my family. My kids FaceTimed me and said, hey, Dad, we missed you. I, I, my, my wife's a nurse. She did an awesome job. None of the kids got the flu, but I was very lonely, and I was counting down the time. Oh, the time is almost done. It's almost done, and then it was extended by 24 hours. But my friend, who I love, who's a doctor, so I went with it. I believed him. He knows more than I do. 48 hours post-fever. Okay? But guys, the body of death that we're rescued from in Christ, I would submit that as, as much as I was frustrated with my, you know, I kept trying to tell my wife, it, it, I don't, this is maybe oversharing, I'll do it anyway, I, um, 'Cause I, I brush my teeth a lot. Like I take care of myself. I'm not a smelly person. If I've been outside working, I take a shower. Don't, don't, you know. Just not. I never smell that. Uh, we're not sick. I smell bad. And my wife, like, is used to me smelling good, and she's like, "You smell like you're dying. Like this is there's there's bad smells in this whole area of that room, and I don't. This is gross. You're gross right now. You're gross." I'm trying to get antimicrobial soap in my nose, like over, you know, I'm washing everything I can wash. I'm, you know, whatever I'll do here. Can can I use life all life to my mouth? Like, what? How does this work? As Christians, Satan wants to trip us up by making us believe that we're still that same old person that we were before we were saved. Satan wants us to be defined by our past. How does that play itself out in the new year? I can't. Whatever God's calling you to, any of the "I can't" statements that have to do with your old man are lies. Oh well, you don't really, you don't know about me. It's actually tied to my personality, and that's been, uh, it's been actually affirmed by both Myers Briggs and the Enneagram. I am a very wrathful person. I'm given to shortness of temper. And actually, I'm Irish. So, that's something else. That's not who you are. That is not who you are in Christ. None of that can hold you back in Christ. And you cannot define yourself by who you once were. I think that in American Particularly, let me say this. I mean, I, I don't think people from, you know, Nigeria are listening to the LCC website. But if so, I, I'm not speaking to your church right now because I don't know how it's going there. In America, we're prone to navel-gazing. In America, we look too much in our past. If only we'd learned some from our past. No, no, no. Let's quit being paralyzed by our past. Let's quit being stuck. Let's quit viewing our lives as something that, well, you know, I really could serve the Lord, but honestly, uh, I just don't think you understand that um, I actually come from a a pretty traumatic background. Um, When I was nine, blah, blah, blah. Guys, over and over and over, I see very different narratives. The craziest thing is, I'm around people who have some of the most horrible, awful, painful traumatic backgrounds that you can imagine. And the ones who have been made new in Christ and who tell Satan when he brings up old things, that's not me, live lives of freedom. Worst story I know is someone whose first memory is of their mother trying to kill them. Well, I mean, that's a little dramatic. No, no, she she put them in the stroller and threw them in a pond because she wanted her to drown. That mother later went to jail for killing multiple other people. That child then went into an orphanage and was taken out of the orphanage by people who brought them to Italy who said that they were going to adopt them. And instead, in Italy, they abused them in the worst ways a person can be abused. And then they brought them back to the orphanage and dropped them off again. That's somebody I know really, really well who's living a life that honors God. And if there's been someone I've known who is like, well, yeah, man, you have some problems sleeping, but that's understandable. There's definitely that person that you would think, like, okay, there's a lot of reasons here that make sense. But you know what? Through Christ, she is not a bitter person. She's not an anxious person. She's not an angry person. She's a redeemed person. She's a person who has new life. So, what does Scripture tell us about that? Verse 14 of 2 Corinthians 5 for the love of Christ controls us. I love that verse. I love that image. I love that concept of being controlled by the love of Christ. We're ministers of reconciliation because we're just hard workers. We're ministers of reconciliation because we're pretty good people. Because we're pretty strong in our faith. Because we, we do spiritual Push-ups, a whole lot. No. The sovereign power of God is demonstrated in everything good that is in us. Everything good that happens in us. The love of Christ controls us because of the power of the gospel. So, come back with me to Philippians 3. Philippians 3, and we're going to talk about 2020, and we're going to talk about where we where we are right now and where we can go. Guys, I asked some rhetorical questions. This is going to be an actual question, not a rhetorical question. Get ready. You can answer out loud. I know it's a very formal setting here, but that was a joke. Okay. Okay. Uh, Not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect. How do we feel like we're doing? Not collectively, at an individual level. Can you agree, and going into 2020, you're not perfect yet? Not that you've attained it already, not perfect. Is that true? Not perfect, okay, good. We're all working here together. Not that I've already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Now this is not a demand that no one ever bring up your past ever again. Guys, you, you're been my church and I'm giving you fair warning. If you come in my office and you start saying something about your mom or dad, I'm just gonna freak out on you. Because I said forget about what lies behind. I, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm not telling you that. I'm not asking you that. I am saying that culturally, I don't think that our problem is that we just haven't learned enough from the The things that shaped us we just really need to get more in touch with the the shaping influences of our past but we need to forget what lies behind we need to cast it off we need to throw it behind us and we need to especially do that when the enemy comes learn and discern the lies of the enemy Satan is not very original He's not going to keep coming with new things over and over. Why would he need to? The old things are working great. He's going to keep telling you the same lies about yourself over and over. And those lies are centrally about your identity. That's why this passage attacks it directly. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Because of who I am in Christ, the stuff that I was doesn't matter. Because of who I am in Christ, the things that have happened to me don't matter. Because of who I am in Christ, the things the enemy tells me that will hold me back, that will prevent me from walking in obedience to God, don't matter. They don't matter. You can't follow God because. You can't obey God because. The lies will be different. They're different for us. They're different depending on who it is. You know, if you, if you had better health, if you had better physical health, you could follow God, but you can't because you don't. Well, if you had a better job, you could, follow, you could definitely follow God, but your job is, you don't have a job. Or you think about, we all know that your job's not very good. Well, you could definitely follow God if you had some more money, but we all know you've got to have money to follow God. You could, you could follow God if only you had that perfect spouse. Some of you are thinking, well, he's talking about single people. But not necessarily. Satan makes plenty of hay by saying, if only you could follow God if you had the perfect spouse instead of the one you've got. Guys, those are all lies. They're all lies. You can only follow God Because through Christ, he's given you the power that there's no but. There's no if only. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we've been redeemed. We've been sanctified. We've been given new life. The old is gone. The new has come. You are not who you once were. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So, forget what lies behind. That's part of what I want for us as a group to do coming into 2020. Forget what lies behind. Forget about all the entanglements, all the things that you think about yourself that say, I wish I could follow the Lord, but put that to death. That's a lie. Identify that as a lie. Don't believe it anymore. Put it to death. But then look at the same prize. It's a beautiful thing to run the race together with other believers. And guys, listening to fleshly sermons bothers me for so many reasons. But one of the reasons it really bothered me is it's so much worse. The idols that they offer are nothing. They're dust compared to the surpassing glory of knowing Jesus Christ. This year you can have money. You can have a car. You can... Oh. A person in the flesh who all they've got is that. All they've got is some money. All they've got is a car. All they've got is shinier teeth. What a sad exchange. What a pathetic grasping. There's nothing better. There's nothing more. There's nothing more exciting. The prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This goal. I'm going to finish this little passage here. 17 brothers join in imitating me. who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. If you don't know Jesus yet, I want you to come to know him. I want you to come to know him as your Lord and Savior. I want him to save you and to change your heart, to change your life. But if you already know him, then think about your goals for 2020. 2020. And think about if you need to reassess them, if you need to remake them. If they were about finding the nicest Michelin-starred restaurants in your travels to sample the best. I mean, their God is their belly, their colour, and their shame, their mindset on earthly things. Earthly things. What are our goals? What are we striving for? What are we pushing and straining for? Make it count. Make it things that last for eternity. Make it the things that God's called you to. Make it your job as an ambassador of reconciliation that you have, whether or not you work in ministry. Make that the goal. There's nothing more precious. There's nothing sweeter. And there's nothing greater that will happen in this coming year. And taking the transformation that God has done within you and sharing it with those who don't know him. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we are so grateful for another year. We don't want to squander any of the opportunities we have, and it is something we're aware is not given to everyone. That we have this opportunity to be in a place where we can talk to strangers. We have an opportunity to live in a country with rule of law where we rarely fear talking to strangers because we're not gonna be attacked. We can share your word on social media. We can preach on the street corner. We can share the gospel with a waiter or a waitress. We can share the good news with the person who's working late when we're getting gas. But we have the opportunity to give the reason that we have hope to all those around us. We pray that this is a year in which you bring that to mind and show us chances again and again. That we're not focused on grasping for better earbuds and nicer tools and doodads and, ah, Lord, we're far enough away from Christmas to realize that once you're not a kid anymore, the toys aren't very fun. Vanity. a striving after things. But... There is a striving toward you, an upward call of obedience, that we might live joyfully doing what you've called us to do, and that one day we might hear you tell us, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, we want 2020 to be marked as a year of your glory in our lives. Or we don't want a different circumstance so that we can serve you. We want to serve you no matter the circumstance. And we don't want to bargain that we will do as you want us to if we get Lord, what we want in our lives is your will to be done. We know that your plan for us is good, pleasing, and perfect. We know that the promises that you give us in Scripture are true, but we know that Jesus promised us persecution, suffering, and that he went through it. And we shouldn't expect a different more comfortable, easier path. Lord, we pray that we will be faithful, that we will seek your will wherever it leads us, and that we will boldly move into places where we're uncomfortable. Crucify our comfort, Lord. Help us to take the parts of our flesh that tell us, because of our past, That we can't, and we won't, and we shouldn't follow you, and that we will put them to death. Thank you, Lord, that for most of the people in this room, there's a moment in which we know that you changed everything for us. You brought us from spiritual death to spiritual life. Lord, for those who are in this room who don't yet know you, I pray that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, will draw them to yourself. That their lives will be transformed by the power of the gospel. Help us to share that in words and be with them this year. May 2020 be the year that they come to know you. We'll be careful to give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.